Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. You know what's great? What? There's no more Friday the 13th bullshit. We're done. By the time this comes out, the last movie has been released. Yeah. Which means we've also been released from these shackles that bind us down. <laughs> To editing every... Well, you don't edit. But no. I... Dude, I've been editing nonstop, <laughs> and it's so frustrating. At least you're getting good at it. I've gotten really good at it. I've gotten really good at it and at cutting corners because <laughs> I don't have time. Like a real professional. Yeah. I'm just like, I look, this sounds weird. I, I fixed it in the most nonsensical way possible because it was the easiest thing to do. Just because, like, it's so frustrating because, like, I like doing this. This is fun. I enjoy watching movies with you. I enjoy watching horror movies. The post-production process is the most frustrating, inane thing in the world. That's how I feel about the whole podcast in general. Like, this is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. And it's fine when it's, you know, one episode a week. But when we consistently do, like, three or four a week, it's like, I'm dying inside. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if I didn't have an actual job, I could do it. Yeah, you could do a lot of things if you didn't have an yeah, actual job. But this is just like, oh Like, my also God. not having a home. You could do that. Well, yeah. I mean, that being said, I do like Friday the 13th. I had a fun time with that series. I didn't say this on 12. It's fine. I mean, yeah. Like, I was expecting more, but I guess that was just me going in, like, with the expectation of everyone loves this series. No, everyone loves Jason. Yeah. And I kind of get that by the end. Right? Because, like, that's even how I am. It's like, wow. You know, Jason's probably my favorite of, like, the big slasher villains. He just Mm, probably is. Of the big ones? Yeah. I haven't seen every Nightmare film. You haven't. I mean, I'm counting basically what? I mean, it's basically between Freddy, Jason, Chucky. Leatherface, I guess, if you wanted. Barely. Yeah. Michael. Michael's. It's really Michael, Freddy, and Jason. Those are the big three the uh, holy trinity of horror, if you will. But mm. Jason's my favorite, but his movies are not my favorite. You know? Yeah, no, that's fair. So I'm hoping they do a banger with 13. Or it's just like a, a whimper in the night. I I hope 13's good. It has to be good. 12 was good. Shocker for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode yet. Yeah. I, I like 12. 12's it, pretty okay. It has its problems, and they're, they're series-wide problems. Of yeah kind of the supporting cast isn't great mm-hmm. but it was a good homage to the series in general yeah no it's still cool. a remake which is an issue in of itself but a good remake with that being said normal board episode yeah actual podcast we have episode three spots left total one spot in meta slasher yeah okay one spot in camp movies and one spot in Space. Space. Man. Yeah, we only have one in each. And I feel like that's so... I, honestly, I'm going to be real. Because we had two doubles this season, I feel like we put out... I feel like this episode season's been long, even though it's been the same amount, length amount of time. It's felt every long season because we've been. been releasing two episodes in addition. Yeah, to the other gabillion we've been doing for Friday. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, also, like, it's going to be weird going back to our normal schedule and not having to record two or three days a week. I think you mean great. 
what's just going to be strange? Because, like, all my time has been taken up by this, but now I can play Baldur's Gate instead. Like a nerd. Baldur's Gate is so fun. Yeah, I only have one in every category, which means we're down to kind of... Basically, I get to pick how I want to end the season. Yeah. And I think... Because, look, we all know what the last Meta Slasher movie is. No. We all know. Do I save that for the end of the season? I don't know if you save it. Because I kind of don't want to... End on something you know? (sighs) No, well, that is kind of whatever. I don't really care that much. It's more like I just don't want to watch another Meta Slasher after just finishing Urban Legend. Especially with how long those episodes are. Urban Legends is probably... I'll be honest for the audience. I haven't cut that yet. At the time of recording At the this. time of recording this. I'm pretty sure the post movie is like by itself an hour and 46 minutes. <laughs> is it really? It is so long. And something that's really funny. You ended that and you're like, man, this is a good episode. I was passing out. I know you were. I was falling asleep. I think I had a good time recording because I was like, wow, I can just talk without Bob interrupting me because he's asleep over there. <laughs> And I was sitting there like, I don't know if I think that's a good episode or not. Because I was like, I was basically asleep the whole time. (laughs) Because we recorded that. You guys can tell us right now. After recording Urban Legend. So I was so fucking tired. No, after recording Urban Legend. So I just said. You threw an S on there. No, I didn't. (laughs) Maybe it's your lisp. I don't know, lisp. (laughs) Anyway, I was just exhausted from recording. So I was just like sleepy. And I was like, I don't know how much I actually contributed to that episode. (laughs) I don't remember, but I it tried out a bit a lot. I tried really hard, but I just don't want to go back to Meta Slashers just yet, which means we could do space, but then we're ending on camps. <laughs> and they've been a little rough this season. No, Piranha's good. Piranha was good, but that's I because- I like Piranha. As I said when we started with that episode, it's um me kind of pushing the envelope on what can be considered a camp movie. Speaking of pushing the envelope, I'm going to sidetrack. Can you tell the audience what you told me? Oh, Because yeah. I think that's hilarious. So, when we were recording, I guess that was the last Friday episode. Yeah, I think it was Friday 12. So I think it was Friday 12, so the remake, uh, Friday the 13th, 2009, which here's a little behind-the-scenes thing for you. We recorded... Up to 11 weeks in advance. Yep. And we recorded the last Friday episode yesterday. So about less than a week before it comes out. Mm-hmm. Because we just, we didn't record it in the the schedule we were recording everything else. And then we were just like, ah, we can do it later. I don't know what happened. You were like, I have something to do. And All then, right. and then I went, I forgot we were supposed to record that. I have to edit <laughs> a different episode. Can we move it again? And then it was a whole thing. I think we just didn't want to deal with it. Because it's like, we had, I was like, we have up to 11, it's fine. And then it was like a week before, and I was like, we should need to record that. I think also the issue is, we watched the movie, and Bob had seen it before, but like, having seen it before, he didn't remember it. But as we watched the movie, it came back to him to the point where he just knew the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Except he was convinced someone gets their dick chopped off. Yeah, what movie have I seen where someone gets their dick chopped off? That reminds me of Friday. I, I know what movie you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called off the top of my head. Because I've seen some, I've seen that happen in a movie before. Yeah, same. But apparently, it's something that happened because some Bob was listening to um, Jason Goes to Hell, and you mentioned that in Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah, I vividly like, remember watching someone happen. get their dick chopped off in Friday the Thirteenth. But, anyways, I, I showed up for the recording of Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand nine, and I walked in. I was like, "Hey, Bob, I chose my category for next season, which is a big deal because." I've kind of been choosing last minute. It's true. The last two Ben's seasons. Ben's been choosing day of recording the like 
wrap up for the season. Not even day of, minute of. Yeah. And, you know, I've been doing, like, usually how I figure it out is I'll be watching movies and I'll latch on to, like, some type of category I'm into for that season. Like, just for researching or watching. Or I'll just go down some rabbit hole of researching something. And that's what happened this time. And um, long story short, I have my I have my category picked out. And I'm very excited for it. Because I think it's fun. Um, but since, you know, I also... I, I do all the research and stuff. I've also got my movies picked out. And while my category's fine, the movies I'm picking out for my category are really going to be pushing the envelope on what can be considered horror. Like, really, really, really pushing the envelope. I'm so curious what you could have possibly picked. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. It's kind of... um. So, like, sometimes I'm okay with putting horror adjacent stuff on here. We're pushing that. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Like, because I don't know what the category is, of course, because we don't know each other's before the wrap-up when we reveal them. But I'm I'm hoping – I told Ben he can pick whatever he wants. But I asked him. I was like, will it scare me? And he said no. And I well, that's kind of how I define if a movie's horror or not. Might disturb Bob. But then he said it might disturb me. So then I said, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'm going to kind of give a content warning now for that. Oh. So content warning on next season, guys. Yeah, I just thought you should. I just thought we should talk about that because you mentioned it to me, and I was like, "That's definitely interesting." It's horror in the sense it could scare someone. You know what? I thought about a category. Not and Bob. <laughs> you were like, "Yeah, you should pick a category that's like pretty horror," because you know I'm going with something that might not be considered horror. I don't have any ideas, Ben. Oh, we can have a, a like a lame duck season. No, not in that it's a bad season. Like I think my category will be fun. I think we'll have a lot of fun, but I meant like a lame duck season as in just no scary movies whatsoever. See, the thing is like I I haven't been scared on the podcast in a while. Like scared scared on the podcast in a while. How how mean do you want to be to yourself? I'm not picking what you think I'm what you're gonna pitch to me. What what was I gonna pitch? Because that's not gonna scare me, that's just gonna make me throw up. <laughs> what, what was I gonna pitch, Bob? I'm gonna pitch cannibals. No, actually. Oh. I was gonna say cosmic horror. But like <laughs> Hmm. body horror cosmic horror kind of like um hmm. our main man who you've never seen anything by cronenberg oh like kind of body horror stuff no that will make me throw up you could put you could pick uh cannibal so i won't we could just take that out there and then we can finally yeah. watch texas chainsaw massacre yeah um or um you could do oceans bob oh, is afraid of oceans God. i know what movies I think I'm going to put an ocean. But um anyways, yeah. That's 4 weeks away. We have time for that later. I still don't I don't want to look. Fuck it. Fuck it. We finished Friday. We're done with Friday. Let's watch another camp movie. It can't be that bad. Woo. I I just don't not that the camp I we say this every time I pick a camp film. Not that the camp movies have been bad. Like Mad Men's fine. It's okay. Piranha's pretty good. It's cheesy and cheesy. I like Piranha, damn it. But you liked it mostly, I think, because it wasn't what you were expecting. No, it was, well... And also they make that weird noise. <laughs> I liked Piranha, damn it. So I'm going to pick camp movies. I only have one spot left, so I don't have to tell you the number. Yep. I don't know what the hell we're watching. All right, well, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised today. Okay, I hope you're right. Today, we're going to be watching a little film... Known as The Burning. Oh, never heard of it. Don't know what this is. Yes, you have. In fact, we've discussed this film twice on the podcast. Have we? Yes. 
I'm forgetful. No memory? No, nothing, dude. Do you want me to tell you? Sure. All right. So it's come up twice, obviously, like I just said. The most recent time is we were discussing Madman, and we were talking about, hey, there was another film in production at the same time that was also about the uh, Cropsy Maniac urban legend. Oh. That's this one. Oh, that's actually cool. So this came out in 1981, same year as uh, Madman. Sick. Okay, that's nice. However, the other time we discussed this was weeks and weeks ago. Um, at this point, I think it was almost six weeks ago, there's about. Okay. Uh, we discussed it, I believe, on Friday the 13th Part 2. Remember how I said Tom Savini didn't come back for Part 2 because he decided to work on another movie? <gasps> That's this one. Let's go. Yeah. So that's that's the burning. Tom Hell this. yeah. That's what he did instead of Friday Part Two, both because I think this was a more interesting opportunity for him, but also, you know, the Jason thing. <laughs> yeah, he was a little mad. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know, mad. More maybe confused. I'm mm, I'm mad and confused <laughs> about it. Still dazed and confused. Ten movies later, I'm still mad and confused. I love when they just didn't address it. Never. They in never 12? address it. They don't address it at all, and that's probably my worst. <laughs> that might be my biggest issue with that entire franchise as a whole, because the rest of the movies are based on the fact that everything about that is fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, like I said, this burning came out in 1981. Description. Who would have guessed that a prank could go so horribly wrong? Huh. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm a little confused by that statement, but we'll see. It's a, you know, I'll figure it out. Uh, It's an hour and 31 minutes long. Okay. It's rated R. Oh, thank God. Ready for these review scores? <sighs> sure. I mean, it's a camp movie. I know. You know what to expect. I know. IMDb gave it a 6.3 out of 10. Whoa. No, that's really high. Tomato meter gave it a 77%. Oh, my God. And an audience score of 60%. There's no fucking way. <laughs> Have we finally hit a good camp movie? I'm actually kind of surprised it, it came up last, but it's probably for the best. Oh, my. If we had started with this one and then watched <laughs> Madman, I think I would have exploded. <laughs> yeah, especially because they're roughly based on the same thing. Yeah. They had to change a lot of stuff about Madman, I will say, mm -hmm. uh, away from the Cropsy murders. But the basis is still there. Yeah. Anyways, for awards, it doesn't have anything. But notable actors, Brian Matthews as Todd. Uh, he played Dr. Mackey from Whole High. He was only on one episode in 1990. Leia Erez as Michelle, played Janice in Bloodsport. What is that? I've heard of that. It's a movie. Is it a horror movie? Maybe. Okay. I'm blanking right now. I'm honestly. just curious. I, I just, the name was familiar. I didn't know if you had any, knew anything about it. Brian Backer as Alfred. Uh, he played Mark Rat Ratner in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I've heard of that too. Larry Joshua as Glazer. Uh, he was a wrestling promoter in Spider-Man, the the. The Raimi Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, this was a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. The good ones. The good old days. Eh, they're okay. You better know this person. I won't. You should. I'm just telling you now. I You have to set your bar so low for me to, like... It's super low, but you should know this person. Okay. Jason Alexander 
as Dave. Who? Literally who? I don't know who that is. He was this little he he was in this little known TV show mm-hmm. um, where he played this guy named George Costanza on Seinfeld. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Sorry, that's that guy's real name. Yeah. First of all, I didn't know that was his real name. I mean, that's fair. I've always just called him George. Yeah. I'm gonna be on if I see him, I go, "That's George Costanza." The Seinfeld guy's on this. That's awesome. Yeah, he was on uh, 171 episodes of that show between 1989 and 1998. Oh, you, g- sorry to interrupt you. Seinfeld aside, I don't like Seinfeld that much. I think That's it's fair. fine. My dad loves that show. Well, it's basically the 90s equivalent of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Kind of, yes. My friend Cotton just had a baby. I go over to his house, and he, the baby is just watching Seinfeld. <laughs> like, Cotton has Seinfeld just playing. That That's, kid <laughs> laughs at Seinfeld. I swear, that kid is three months old and laughs at Jerry Seinfeld's jokes. Well, and it's hilarious. It's maybe not what you want to have your formative years of your child be. Very funny. Ned Eisenberg as Eddie. He played Morris Brant in Limitless. Carrick Glenn as Sally. Uh, she played Kathy in Girls Night Out. Fisher Stevens as Woodstock. He played Ben Jabatuya in Short Circuit. You ever seen Short Circuit? No, I don't know that one. It's about a robot that comes to life. Oh. From uh, the 80s. Mm. The only, f- well, I guess the weird science isn't about a robot, technically. No. It's about some horny teens. Yeah, that's just a horny movie. Uh, Lou David as Cropsy. Oh. Um, he played the headline killer in The Last Dragon. Holly Hunter. As Sophie, do you know Holly Hunter, Bob? Probably not. Well, she she's done some voice acting work. Okay, this maybe this. I watch a lot of animated content. Not in anything you'd know. God damn it. She just played Helen Parr, you know, Elastigirl. Oh! In the Incredibles. That's, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty famous. And then Kevy Kendall as Diane. She was the Froger's daughter in National Lampoon's European Vacation. Never saw any of those movies, by the way. Uh, they're the Chevy Chase ones. Yeah, never watched any of them. You see Community? We've had this discussion multiple times. No, and you keep telling me I should watch it. Just go watch it. Well, certain seasons are good. Certain seasons are a little rough. It's a kind of an all over the place show. Yeah, I will say because like when it hits, it it's good. Mm-hmm. And when it's kind of iffy, it's not so good. Yeah. Every season's very different. You, It's kind of harder to watch nowadays because certain episodes are not super available mm. on streaming services yeah. anymore. I know there's a particular episode that has been removed. And that episode's very good. Mm. There's just maybe some questionable content in it. I mean, yeah. I will say, I w- I s- I've seen every single episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Even the ones removed from streaming had to find them somewhere else and get a hold of them to yeah. watch them. It's a similar situation as that show. Where like, there's some very questionable content in that show, and that's why those episodes are removed. But they're also very good episodes. They're, f- I will say, the episodes of It's Always Sunny that are removed are removed for very good reason. <laughs> like, I get why I can't watch them on Hulu, but my God, are they funny. It's just very frustrating you can't watch them on Hulu. Yeah. I'd much rather have the option to watch them mm-hmm. and being able to be like, nah. Yeah, no, they're hilarious, but not okay. Director's Tony Malum. He also directed The Riddle of the Sands. Here's where we kind of come to a, 
uh, sour point of this movie. Oh. Uh, with the writers and stuff. Okay. And I probably should have done this whole disclaimer at the beginning because I know people do have issues with this kind of specifically. But like kind of before we get into the writers, I think what you should know is this is the first film uh, to be produced by Miramax. It's not the first film that they released. They released one film before this, but they didn't produce that one. They just distributed it. This is their first production. Um, this is kind of how they got into movies. And do you know Miramax off the top of your head? Nope. Okay. The The name is actually, it's interesting. It comes from the two people's parents. It's a combination of their names. But Miramax is the production company founded by Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Oh. You know, the Weinstein brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So there's that. So getting into writers. Harvey Weinstein has a credit for original story and created by. He's also, he hasn't written a lot of stuff, but he also wrote uh, Playing for Keeps, 1986. Another writer on this was Tony Malem, the director. He also wrote The Riddle of Sands, and he has a credit for original story. Our next writer is Brad Gray. He also has an original story credit on this one, but he is claimed to fame as he was a producer on The Sopranos. Oh, um, I've heard that show is so good. Yeah, uh, but he has 86 episodes from 1999 to 2007 on his name. Next person with a writing credit is Peter Lawrence. He has the actual screenplay credit here. One of two people. He wrote 14 episodes of The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. <laughs> that guy wrote a lot of animated TV shows. Oh my god, like I haven't he, thought about Johnny Quest in years. He's worked on a lot of animated stuff, like back in the... 80s and 90s, like Thundercats. Oh, like that. I fucking love Thundercats. Well, the guy who worked on a lot of that stuff wrote this movie. The other screenplay writer, though, is Bob Weinstein. Again, didn't write a lot, but he wrote Playing for Keeps. He has a screenplay credit. That so, sucks. Yeah. That sucks. The, the the Weinstein brothers are associated with this. So if you have a problem with that, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That kind of sucks. But budget's estimated at $1.5 million. Meh. I mean, it's not a lot, but it was a basically non-existent production company at the yeah. time. Yeah, that's a lot for a slasher in '81. Oh, a low-budget B-movie slasher. Yeah, that's a shit ton of money, especially because what Friday the 13th just came out. Came out a year prior. Yeah, so the genre is really just hitting the scene. Friday Part Two came out that same year. Box office of in the United States, it was kind of hard to find information, but it was only um seven hundred and seven thousand dollars damn this movie did not make any money no but that's just like the box office box office information i have for the united states yeah i guess you're not looking international but yeah i'll be honest i don't really know how big of a market there was for low budget slashers outside of the u.s <laughs> yeah and also the, by 1981 i know it seems really fast but the market was already <laughs> saturated god i mean yeah so many we have watched so many slashers from that exact year. Well, so what happened is uh, we talked about this on the original Friday the 13th episode, and I'll bring it up here uh, if you haven't watched that one. But part of the way that Friday the 13th got funding is they put out this big advert for, like, it's the scariest movie ever. Yeah. And that's, like, how they got funding, and they went into production. But that advert made it seem like they were much farther along with the movie than they were. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people saw that and were like, oh, it, this movie looks like it's going to do good. Let's 
you know, go into production. Hop on that train, baby. And uh, assumedly all those people thought, oh, they'd be coming out, you know, a year or two after Mm -hmm. Friday came out. But since Friday wasn't really in production yet, it came out. And almost immediately after a bunch of these films that were kind of kicked off by the Friday franchise from that advert, they're like, oh, we're done too. Mm -hmm. So by 1981, it was like, oh, here's a bunch of shit. Heck, even by 1980, there was stuff. Yeah. I mean, you already had Halloween at that point. I meant like other like camp slasher stuff. Oh, but yeah. Country of origin, obviously United States. This is also known as the Cropsby Maniac. Um, that was the working title. And um, the reissue title in the U.S. is just Cropsy. Hmm. Which is kind of cool. Cause, like, it's not bad. This film is just The Burning. Yeah. And even Madman's Madman. Mm-hmm. So for at least one of these eventual titles even though it's a reissue title to actually reference the legend kind of cool it's cool but i'm gonna be honest like i like madman as a title for that film i i don't know how much i like it just being basically the name of the killer i much prefer something more well i'm just saying because like that one was originally based on this urban legend Mm -hmm. but it changed and this one's based on the urban legend but it's called the burning it's just cool that there's these two movies that came out in the same year, and they neither took, like, neither explained, like, hey, we're based on this thing. Yeah. And so it's just nice to see in a reissue title for, like, a DVD and stuff that it was mm-hmm. like, okay, guys, look, this is what we are. This is what we're based on. Tagline? A legend of terror is no campfire story anymore. That's so, like, it's good, especially for, like, a movie like this. Like, I can't movie like this, but... Post Friday, post like, basically, after all these, at, when this comes out, that is a good tagline. Now that's cheesy as fuck. Oh, I know, but it's awesome. It's fun. I don't have much to talk about. First of all, filming location. This was filmed in the summer of 1980, which is kind of a big deal because most of these summer camp movies, we've talked about it before, don't really get filmed in the summer. No, they get, they get filmed in fall. Yeah. Um, assumingly because it's cheaper because, like, the summer camps aren't in session. Well, I was going to say, also, like, the weather's just better. It's not as hot and gross to film out there. That's fair. In the woods, you know. But I think the real reason is because, you know, the summer camps are working during the summer. Mm -hmm. So it's probably insanely more expensive to rent a summer camp out in season than it is out of season. Well, yeah, because you got to shut them down. You'd have to pay all the money. and It's a whole thing. Yeah. But, um, shot in the summer of 1980. Around Buffalo and North Tonawanda, New York. Hmm. Okay. So. All these summer camp movies shot in New York. Crazy. I mean, back in the day, there must have been tax breaks in Probably. New York. And also, I mean, we talked about it. I think there was a big summer camp culture mm-hmm. down there. So, I've been to a summer camp up in New York. It's true. Very recently. Very recently. Aside from that, the only other kind of very funny thing about this picture is it's pretty low budget. And they, they do a good job with their budget. But, I mean, they were doing some more expensive things. Like, they got Tom Savini and everything. I mean, yeah, that man can't be cheap for practical effects. So, th- they really were giving it their all with certain things. But they also had to keep, like, production costs down mm-hmm. for certain things. And one of the funniest things I read about is that, hey, you know, this was shot in an actual camp. Yeah. Which you wouldn't necessarily think that's a way to keep production costs down, but it's cheaper to shoot in an actual camp. Oh, yeah, for sure. to build, like, sets. So there's that. But the other thing that I thought was really funny is that um, the cast just wore their own clothes. (laughs) 
<laughs> instead of getting costumes because that oh was my God. a cheap thing to do. That's such like a cheap local theater thing for some for like a director or somebody to just go, yeah, just wear your own shit. We'll figure it out. Yeah, well, that's basically what happened um, because at the time of production, like, no known actors in this film. Damn. Actually, funnily enough, there's some debatability of this. Two out of these three actors I'm going to mention, I think we're technically on like one TV show mm. before this. But this really is the debut of Jason Alexander, Fisher Stevens, and Holly Hunter, which all became pretty big actors and actresses after this movie. I, I can't get over George Costanza being in this film, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, it's still shocking me. He... he he looks so much younger. Well, yeah. You're not even going to believe how he looks. Oh, does he have hair? Yeah. No way he has he hair. Has hair. And he's skinny. This is going to be crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's all I got for now. So I guess we're just going to go watch the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Burning. Yeah, we just finished it. Yep. You like it, Bob? Yeah. No, I thought it was good. I thought it was really fun. I actually I had a much better time than I expected to, to yeah. be honest. It, it was a good time, especially because I've seen this movie before. I don't know if I mentioned that on the, the intro, uh, but I'd seen this one. And we were watching it, and I was like, I don't remember, like, much of this. <laughs> um, you were just as surprised as I was at some point, so I thought it was really funny. I could just vaguely remember it, but I couldn't remember, like, any details. Yeah. So it was kind of cool getting to watch it again for seemingly the first time, and mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good experience. With that being said, I'm just going to go into the description, uh, and then we'll get into our usual shtick. But it, it's a pretty simple premise. Especially because if you were paying attention, if if you know the Cropsey legend, yeah, you probably already know this one. I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast before. I don't think we talked the specifics. We vaguely covered it when we talked about Madman, but other than that, we didn't really get into any major details. But yeah, the the Cropsey legend is sort of kind of seen in this story, at least the broad strokes of it. Not really going to get that into that here. Hey, because it's kind of hard to find stuff on it hmm. when I was looking on the internet. Okay. I, I think it was one of those urban legends that's really well known, but no one really wrote it down too much. Mm, more of like word of mouth stuff. Yeah, because like I was looking for the legend, right? And the only places I could find it like referenced in detail, like someone told the story out, were in papers about the legend. Oh my God. It was really weird. Like I couldn't go to Wikipedia and be like, oh, here it is. Like, really? I a lot of urban legends. So I'm wondering if I've just heard weird versions of it or something. But moving on, how this story works is it starts off with a cold open, which is pretty decent. But long story short, it's these, I think there's five kids, and they're planning a prank on the camp caretaker. Mm -hmm. His name's Cropsy. And we're not sure what they're going to do at first. But basically, they have a head, a rotting head Mm -hmm. in this box. Which I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be... They just got a real person's head. I think it's supposed to be fake. Or they got a skull and then did it up. I think they got a skull and did it up. Assumedly, it should be fake. Yeah. But it looks too good for children to make at a camp. Yeah. You know? But I assume that's probably what's implied. But anyways, uh, they get this 
a skull and they've done it up with like some makeup or shit to make it look like it's rotting. There's mm-hmm. some worms coming out of the nose hole. Uh, but they've gotten like, assuming they some candles mm-hmm. and put them in the eye sockets yeah. of this skull. And I guess the idea is it's supposed to look like a, um, a ghost, a ghostly rotting head. Mm-hmm. So anyways, they have it in this box and one of the kids takes it into Cropsey's cabin while he's sleeping and sets the skull up on the table right next to Cropsey. Uh, and then they all go outside by the window and start banging on it to wake him up. And Cropsey's a drunk. That's just kind of an established thing uh, later on in the story. But you can even tell in the cold open because there's, like, empty bottles of whiskey. Yeah. Like, everywhere. And so, assumedly, it looks like he passed out because he has his clothes and his boots on while he's yeah. sleeping in bed. And so, assumedly, he wakes up still a little drunk and he sees this skull and he freaks out. And he knocks it down, and it catches his, like, blankets on his bed on fire, mm-hmm. as well as his uh, pants leg. And Cropsey's not, like, a responsible caretaker. No. And so he has, in the place he sleeps, assumedly he's just treating his sleeping quarters like a shed. Because there's just cans of gasoline everywhere. Cans of gasoline, like, tools, supplies, basically all the stuff he needs to do his job is also next to where he sleeps. But very specifically, it's the gasoline we're talking about right now. Yeah. You should not have 30 barrels of gasoline. It was not 30. It was a single canister. No. There was multiple canisters of gasoline. Like, I said barrels. It's like the ones you pour, like, gasoline in. Yeah. Like the five gallons, except they were metal. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has a bunch of them. Bob says it's only one. Uh, We see one fall onto him. Mm-hmm. When his pants leg's on fire, he he knocks over a, uh, a thing of gasoline onto him. But in a, a panning shot before he's on fire, we see a bunch of them just stacked in the corner. But anyways, he gets gasoline on himself, so he goes up in flames. And he runs out the door, and he ends up like on fire, falling down a hill and rolling into a, a river, which saves him like from burning to death. Uh, but he ends up going to the hospital with like severe third-degree burns Oh yeah, all over his body. And is there for, we learned, five years Mm -hmm. just doing recovery stuff. And they try to do everything from, like, skin grafts to just natural healing, and none of it works. But after five years, he's functional, Mm -hmm. and they release him back into public, which is fine, except Cropsey's a little angry. Yeah. It's implied later on in the story that he might be, like, kind of a sadistic person to begin with. Mm -hmm. But... He, he gets released in the hospital, and it's, it's heavily implied that he's he's out for revenge against the five kids that yeah. almost killed him with their prank gone wrong. Then we cut to this camp. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. I don't remember. Because the camp the movie originally took place on was Camp Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. That's the camp in the cold open. And there's a different camp that we're looking at the rest of the movie. I think it's just a nearby camp. Yeah. Supposedly. It seems like a much nicer camp, in all honesty. Because we see the cabin the boys are sitting in, like the five boys yeah. in the cold open. And it's, like, not the nicest cabin I ever. I mean, it's not the worst, but it's also not super nice, yeah. But anyways, long story short, we're following this camp, and what ends up happening is a bunch of the kids are going on a three-day canoe trip. Mm-hmm. And, well... Cropsy's here. He's skulking about. Yep. Um, and that's really the the premise. Well, because very specifically they go canoeing up near where Camp Blackfoot 
allegedly burned to the ground after the yeah. Cropsey incident. Not sure how true that is. Yeah. We don't know. We don't see the camp or anything. Basically, all the information that we don't see in the cold open, cold open, uh, which technically I was going to say flashback because it is technically yeah. is told at a campfire by one mm-hmm. of the counselors, Todd. Um, so it's all like alleged stuff. But yeah, obviously it's a Cropsey stalking all these kids on mm-hmm. this canoe trip. But uh, pretty simple story. Yeah. Except for that setup. And, um, yeah, I guess we're going to discuss some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so spoilers for the movie. I'd recommend you go watch it. Yeah, you for sure. You can definitely enjoy this movie with spoilers. I mean, we just gave you the setup. The setup is not surprising, so. Well, it was more know. along the lines of, like, you can enjoy this movie with spoilers because a lot of this movie, because it's a slasher, is the kills. Mm-hmm. And they're good. We, they didn't get cut no. for once, which is shocking because this came out in 81 mm-hmm. when the MPAA was going pretty hard on a lot of stuff. But they didn't get cut, and it's Tom Savini. So you get some pretty fucking sick shit. Yeah. But I'd still recommend you go watch it first. Uh, on that note, though, I guess we can talk about it. Do you have anything particular you want to talk about? Because like, the big thing I want to talk about for this movie is probably the kills and the effects and stuff. Oh, okay. But well, that's, that's going to have to go in its spoiler section. Probably. I mean, are we going to do a spoiler section for this? Because I was going to hit it with broad strokes. Because there's, there's no, like, big spoilery stuff other than the kills. And we can be broad about those and just talk about how good the effects are without having to go into detail. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's do that then. I, I mean, all I really have to say is they look really good. I mean, yeah, that's the big thing is they look really good. They're not cut. And it's Tom Savini, so you get some really, really gruesome... You just get to see them. Yeah, they're just they're just really, really good and gruesome. And, like, the best uh, sick comparison I can do here is if you've seen Friday the 13th, the original one, there is a very specific kill in that movie where someone gets stabbed in the throat. Yep. And that's kind of the level of practical effect we're for seeing in this movie. For every single kill, basically. Yeah. For, like, the whole movie. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah, like, I, I had a really good time with it. I will say there's not as many as I'd want, but I think that has more to do with the low budget of this film mm-hmm. where they basically didn't have enough money to shoot a ton of effects. Mm-hmm. There's a good amount. It's just I would want more. Yeah, and everything you get to see is good. So, all right. Uh, aside from that, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, we mentioned this while we were watching the movie. This might be the the best interpretation of a summer camp that we've seen on the podcast from these camp style films. Yeah. Either this, I said this, or Sleepaway Camp were yeah. my my two. I think this one's a little better. Uh, Sleepaway Camp is one of those films where it feels really natural, mm-hmm. and all the kids feel real. But it's also just objectively a really shitty camp. Yeah. And a lot of the kids are run, are, like, are just allowed to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like there's not a lot of supervision. And it, it just really shows in the plot of that movie. Like, mm-hmm. the kids in that film act really, really like real kids. And that's great to see. But they're also younger kids. And overall, I think while it's a good depiction of a camp, it doesn't feel as true the form as this movie does. Yeah. Which has a lot of structured activity. There's a lot of interactions that mm-hmm. feel natural between the counselors and the kids. It's overall, it's just a really, I think, good interpretation of a camp, which is really nice because a lot of this movie is just characters and camp stuff, mm-hmm. and it's somehow actually entertaining. No, yeah. That was one big thing is, like, the big problem I usually have with these camp movies we've been watching is the actual camp part is boring and I don't care. But in this movie, it's interesting. They create subplots within the camp that entice me and make me actually interested in the characters themselves and not just when is Cropsey going to show up and kill somebody? Yeah, to be honest, if there was more like interpersonal drama going on, like a bigger interpersonal story, this would have 
I think felt like a camp movie from the 80s because there is mm-hmm. movies like that that are just like summer camp films and it that summer camp stuff in this film was well done enough to almost feel like that yeah they do a really good job at making people feel <laughs> there are some very specific characters that feel very 80s like douchebag yeah and they're very well done in like the best way possible when you have a shitty character mm-hmm. love to hate him love to hate him exactly and there are also characters where it's like they're just enjoyable to watch. Like Jason Alexander in this film, his character's name is Dave. That guy's hilarious. I love Dave. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the whole film. He's so funny. Him and Woodstock. I think Woodstock's funny too. But it's it's also kind of funny that it's played by that actor. Yeah. Because he's nothing like his character in Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah. We had that conversation too. He's also so young. He's so much young. He's so young in this. Jason Alexander's so young. It's so weird. Ben was like, do you see him? I went, no, I don't see him yet. And then it came up to him. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no, I don't think you realize. There was a couple close-ups on his face at that point, and you yeah. hadn't noticed. But, yeah, so aside from that camp stuff and the, the murders, I mean, not a lot happens, honestly. Yeah. It's a pretty chill movie. The The big thing that I also want to talk about is they do a good job at uh, – another issue I have with stuff like Friday or even, like, Mad Men is – they always come up with dumb excuses to get people alone so they can be murdered. This film does it in such a natural way of getting these people out in the woods away from the rest of the camp by being like, yeah, they're going on a canoe trip, which is totally something you would do if you went to a summer camp. Yeah, it's like a three-day trip. Yeah, and then they, it just does a good job at making the people being alone so they can be murdered feel better than in most other films. Not just egregious, I'm going off alone. Exactly. In fact, most of the people who die in this film are in groups, mm-hmm. and it's this really well-done uh, sequences, I think, every time, where it's set up in just a way where you're like, I don't actually know who's going to die first. It's yeah. not like, oh, this person's going off alone. It's more like, okay, they're both alone now, mm-hmm. and which one is Cropsy going to hit first? Yeah. And I, I, it really does keep things interesting. This film, I think, throughout does a, a lot of stuff like that that keeps up tension really high. Mm-hmm. Which I wasn't expecting from any, like, all these other camp films are very much like, classic slashers in that you're just waiting for people to be murdered but you're not i was never scared during any of the friday films yeah and i mean like the best comparison i'm gonna do here is not to friday but to madman both because they're from that same base urban legend although this one's a lot closer Mm -hmm. but because they do this very similar thing where they have a lot of killer shots like this one does killer pov shots very Mm -hmm. friday like but very specifically they have a lot of shots where you just see the killer's hand and The idea is to build tension there of, like, the killer being close by. But Madman, I don't think, does a really good job with it. No, it struggles with it that. It seems goofy. We we mm-hmm. mentioned the Shambler from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. But this one does a really good job with it. Yeah. It's like all the killer being, like, almost there. It's very tension-building. Mm-hmm. And they take it slow, which is something that I appreciate so much. Because in a lot of other camp slasher movies, it's quick. It's fast-paced. It's like, oh, the murderer's here. He's murdering. Let's get going. This one is slow tension where you're expecting something to happen but then it doesn't and then it just keeps it keeps it fresh a lot longer than something like friday would in a single movie you know series like this yeah it's it's one of those things where it's hard to do but this film does it effective Mm -hmm. and i think while we're on the the topic of building tension and also like the whole killer pov stuff there's definitely some um jello influences Mm -hmm. you mentioned that because like I don't know how familiar everyone is with it, but there's a big trope where, like, you'll see the killer and have, like, leather gloves on. Yeah. And he'll uh, be, you know, like, stalking from POV shots. So you'll see his hands. 
and that's what a lot of the killer POV shots are. Yeah. I thought it was just worth mentioning. No, it's really, really cool. And I, I appreciate it because it's so unexpected in this style of film. And it makes it feel so much better overall. Yeah. It adds a lot where I didn't expect it, I guess. Aside from that, I don't know if there's much else I want to mention. We haven't really the only talked to... Well, what? What were you going to say? What were you going to say? The only thing I'm going to mention is the killer. That's what I was going to talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're good. And the issue here is this is definitely spoilers, but Bob doesn't want to do a spoiler section. Well, no, because I don't, I don't think we need it. You know what I mean? Because like we explained the premise. There's not really that much to talk about here. That's fair. Uh, I'm just going to mention how the killer looks really quick then and keep yeah. it pretty brief. And then something about the ending. Sure. I think I can keep it without going into too many spoilers. But first thing with the killer's appearance, we get to see his, like, face. Yeah. Which is obviously, he's wearing clothes everywhere else. So mm-hmm. the face is probably the most noticeable thing. Uh, pretty early on in the movie for, like, half a second. But we really don't get to see, like, an actual hold on it until much later in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it looks pretty good. No, he looks cool. The only issue I have with it, and mm-hmm. I think this is kind of valid because, like, it's technically a mistake, is that he's supposed to look like he suffered some burns, right? Mm-hmm. And assumingly he's had some work done from, like, plastic surgery and stuff, maybe. But I will say his face ends up looking kind of melty. Yeah, no, it does. And from the research I could get, is that wasn't necessarily intentional. Oh, uh, My really? understanding is Tom Savini didn't have, like, I think the best setup when he was making the mask for cross cropsy and he was going for more of a burn appearance and the mask ended up being more melty looking interesting doesn't look bad no i still think it looks cool and in fact it kind of maybe looks like he had a lot of failed plastic surgery mm-hmm. i just wanted to mention that no that's like yeah, that's don't point. feel like it lines up the cool thing that i like about the way cropsy looks is we get to see cropsy before he gets all burned the way they make him look with all the bird prosthetic on him, he still kind of looks like the same person. Yeah. Assumedly, it's the same actor. Assumedly. I don't know. But I, I think that's a really cool, like, attention to detail thing where they did that with the mask where he still – you could tell what he originally looked like. You can see the transformation, I guess. And that's just, like, a cool detail thing. Now, I will say, though, that while I do say assumedly it's the same actor, um, that's only for the scenes where he has the mask on. Yeah. So one of the things we haven't mentioned is uh, Cropsy is a really, really cool murder instrument mm-hmm. in this series. Yeah. In this movie. It's not series. Uh, it's like hedge trimmers. Yeah, like garden shears. And from, again, my understanding, just researching this film, they do a lot of the shots in this movie that are very, like, well set up to, mm-hmm. like, get the garden shears, the shine and the light and everything. Yeah. They look really good. Again, Jalo influences there. But the thing to note about these whole garden shear scenes is that to get the light to reflect off the shears just right for those angles was really, really hard. And so apparently the director has gone on like an interview saying that like 90% of the movie where you see Cropsey was apparently just him. <laughs> just the director? Because he, he was like, I'm the only one who could get the shots just right because I'm directing to mm-hmm. like get the light to reflect off the shears the way I wanted them to. Really? Because they were just so hard to do. Um, so I think all the physical acting scenes and then makeup is that guy who mm-hmm. I said did Cropsey. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff where it's just the director. <laughs> That's funny. When he's not, like, killing people and stuff. Yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. doing some of these freeze frames. Like the with... setup stuff. Yeah. That's cool. All right, and then I guess the last thing I want to mention is the ending of this film. It's an interesting set. 
Yeah, not it's gonna cool. Say what it is. It's an interesting environment for them to have like the final showdown. <laughs> it feels a little weird. It is and a out little of place. Weird. And once again, I'm gonna kind of explain why that is. The setting for the end of this film wasn't the intended setting for the end of this film. Oh, really? In the script, it was written to be a boathouse, mm. which makes sense because they're on the water. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. Assumedly abandoned boathouse, right? Yeah, somewhere on the river. And when they got to filming, they ended up having to change locations to the one in the film. Hmm. Because ironically, the boathouse was infested with bats. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was considered a health risk. Holy shit. That, which I think is only interesting because of where they ended up filming. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus funny. Christ. That is funny. I just wanted to mention that. But, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about this film. There's not really... Like, much I want to talk about, honestly. No, without, like, basically spilling all the details of the film and, like, kind of going super-duper in-depth, which I don't really want to do because I think a lot of this film is watching these characters interact with each other in very funny, interesting ways because they are all campers and or counselors. They're just enjoyable. They're just enjoyable. It's fun. And they do a very good job at setting everything up. The only The last thing I want to mention before we move on is... Because we get a lot of killer POV stuff, they do a really cool like attention to detail thing where Cropsy has been burned across his entire body. The POV shots are fuzzy, so it, it's almost as if, his, as if his eyes got burned or messed up during from the burns and stuff. Yeah, they're very specifically fuzzy around the edges. Where it would make sense for there to be damage. Super cool. I just this movie's full of tons of attention to detail bullshit that I love. I love when movies are feel like they're made with care and like. Everything is well thought out and planned. Yeah. This movie does a very good job at that. It's well done. Shockingly. Shockingly so, which is what's so surprising about it. Uh, on that note, though, I guess we're good at recommendations. So, Bob, do you yeah. want to start? Um, if you like Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, you know, George Costanza, he's young in this. I Like, that's kind of a good recommendation because, like, if you like the actor – but his character in this is completely different. That's what's cool, and that's why I'm recommending it is if you like him in that and you want to see him do other stuff, he's really different in this and it's super enjoyable and fun. He I don't want to I don't know if he's my favorite character, but he's really high up there because some of his delivery is just hysterical. He's funny, but he's also very likable. Yeah, he's great. Love him. If you like camp slashers, this might be the best one we've seen just overall. Maybe objectively. Sleepaway Camp Sleepaway is Camp. Great. That's the thing is this and Sleepaway Camp. Those are my two right now that I'm sitting on for camp movies but that this we've one's seen. Like genuinely good and Sleepaway Camp is cheesy good. See, that's the thing. They're just different styles of film. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to like put judge them. But they're also like the same genre, so it's kinda hard. They're good in different ways. They're good in different ways. This one is very, very good and I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So if you're into Slasher camp films that are very classic like this. Super duper fun. Highly recommend for that. If you're into Tom Savini and his practical gore effects, he does a great job on this film. I'm. You mentioned it at the top. You said that he uh, didn't do Friday Part 2 because he was working on something else. And it was this. Glad he worked on this. It was really cool seeing him do other stuff. Yeah. I, I will say, it's kind of like what you expect to see on the outtakes for uh, Friday and Friday yeah. 3. I, I, I think he did a really good job and I really enjoyed it. I think those are my recommendations. Okay. Kind of a similar boat here, but if you want to see a camp movie, this is, I think, a pretty decent one. 
Uh, in a similar vein, if you also want to see like a slasher movie, this one's pretty good. A good combination of both those tropes, especially because like is this one movie, like this isn't a series. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to tackle than something like the Nightmare uh, franchise or Halloween mm. or God forbid Friday the Thirteenth. You know, because it's just <laughs> one and done, and then you're good. Which is hard to find, like, really good slasher movies like that. Because mm-hmm. most of the ones that are really good got a bunch of sequels because that's how you make money. Aside from that, if you're into gore and, you know, if you're a fan of Tom Savini, does a good job in this film. Once again, I would have loved to see more. That's not to say there isn't, like, a healthy amount in this movie. Yeah. I think there's a good amount. But the practicals in this movie are pretty, pretty gnarly. And then, you know, finally, George Cassandra. <laughs> I, I said, yeah, George Cassandra. Yeah. Jason Alexander. If you like him, he's pretty different than I think how most people are used to him, both in appearance yeah. and characterization. It's because he's so young. He's so young. And it just, like, wild. But he's in this movie. You know, we also mentioned uh, before that this is basically the debut of Fisher Stevens. If you like him, if you've seen number uh, – number, f- it's not just number 5 of life. What it, whatever that movie is. Um, short circuit. It, it, so it's short circuit, but the it's robot number. I want to say nine or five, mm. and he's like alive. So that's what he says. Oh, okay. Um, but if you like short circuit, uh, and you know Fisher Stevens in that, or if you like Holly Hunter, they're all in this movie. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. All right. You want to give it a rating, Bob? Yeah. So we didn't mention it, but there's only one thing that I have an issue with with this film, really. And it's some weird editing stuff at the end where they shoot stuff, reuse shots, and stuff shot out of order so it doesn't make any sense. Basically, it's very clear at the end of the movie they were running out of money. Yeah. Because there's a couple scenes where they want to – you can clearly tell they want to show some of the dead bodies of these characters. Mm -hmm. But they just show flashbacks to them dying or being dead. Yeah. Because they – I assumedly either didn't have the actors at the time of shooting – or didn't have the money to put those actors back in makeup again for these mm-hmm. final shots. Yeah. Or just like where stuff is like, well, this is definitely shot after this happened. Because that's not where it should be. But they didn't realize when yeah. they're editing. And that's like my only major gripe. Other than that, I had a really good time on this film. I think it's super duper fun. For all the reasons you mentioned, including just a really great interpretation of camp. Like, it is such a... It reminds me in the best ways about being at camp when I was a kid and it's yeah. so enjoyable in a very different way from sleepaway camp. Yeah. And I, to be honest, again, I think this is probably a better approximation of like what most camps are. Yeah. Cause the other one was like, these kids are just running wild. These kids are going fucking ham, but it's also this thing of the kids in this movie are much older. It's true. They're like, I would say like 15, 14, 16. Yeah. 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there versus sleepaway camps. Like, 10, 11, 12. No, they were like 14. That's why I said these ones are like 16. Mm. But I do. But the thing is, I don't know how high slasher camp movie goes on my scale. While this is probably the best one we've seen, I don't know how high I can go for the premise alone. Because, yeah, it's a very classic slasher premise of man gets wronged by camper, comes back years later to kill a bunch of campers. I also want to put this out here that Cropsy doesn't come back to get revenge on any of the, like, campers that hurt him. No. He literally just wanders into a random camp and starts murdering people. Yeah. He's not very well. 
No, he's not. We see that uh, established at some point that he is not a very um, put together individual, put together person. But so I'm struggling. Like it's the best one we've seen. It's, yeah. But I don't know if I could give it a five because. Oh no, definitely not a five. Because it's not perfect. It's like not that. perfect. But if I don't have a top of the scale, you know what? I think I think I can. I can give it a four. Because I like this film. I think it's fun. I think it's well done. I think all the kills are cool. I like all the makeup. I think Cropsy is a cool slasher killer. I think his choice of weapon is fucking nuts with some of the stuff he does with it. It's awesome. But it has some editing problems, and I just don't think I could go probably above a four for slasher camp movies. Like, they're an oh, established really? you genre. Say, like, I can't go higher than this for this genre? Yeah. Oh, that's fucked up, Bob. <laughs> I don't know if I could. I definitely could, but you need to do something. It would need to do something crazy. That's the thing is this movie is not groundbreaking. It is true to form for what it is, but it's done so well that I'm giving it a four. All right. Uh, I will say, though, you say the groundbreaking thing. This was basically at the birth of that genre, though, so keep that in mind. It's true. But that being said, I'm also going to give it a four, and really it gets to a four because it takes the premise of, hey, there's a slasher at a camp, and it does it very, very well. Like we said, all the camp stuff is really well done and could almost be its own just camp-focused film mm-hmm. if they had a big through-plot thing. Yeah. Going. There are lots of small plots that all come back together. But... They don't have something big enough to be its own movie. Yeah. But the characterization, all the interactions are interesting enough to keep that going. And then the actual killings are really well done. I like the fact that they put an urban legend into this mm-hmm. and kind of worked it in naturally. Basically, the film's really well done. And it, it's really good. It's probably one of the best camp slashers we've seen on this show. And so it easily uh, goes above and beyond the premise and gets a four. However, the thing that's going to keep it from going higher than a four and to a four and a half is really, A, some of the editing mistakes at the end. The whole end of the movie seems a like a weird fugue state. Yeah, you the- said it felt truncated. Because of like some of the editing, mm-hmm. like there's some scenes missing between action happening. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's just all kind of weird. Maybe that's because them they were running out of budget. Maybe it's because they had to switch locations at the last minute, and that affected like their shooting schedule and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. That definitely is an issue. However, the big thing that I think keeps this from getting to like a four and a half for me is honestly the lack of gore. Basically, this movie's really good, right? But it doesn't go above and beyond in any specific way because it really just needs a little bit of an extra oomph to mm-hmm. get into a four and a half. Cause no, that's fair. I think our thoughts all, all around are like, this is pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty well polished except for those editing issues at the end. It just doesn't have that oomph to it's, get it to a four and a half. It's missing something unique and insane to draw it above and beyond, you know? And I, I think that's just gore. And like the gore we get is pretty good. But I just more of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I want more slashings, basically. I think that would really be what gets it up to that four and a half. And like I said when we were talking to Bob a second ago, is the thing that keeps it getting from a five is that there's nothing, like, unique mm-hmm. or unique enough to sell this one. No, like, insane twist or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that keeps it from getting a five. Uh, but on that note, we're just going to go to the outtakes. Yeah. There's some funny ones. We'll see you guys in a minute.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of The Burning so far. I like this film. I think it's super, super well done and fun. But if you do not want any major spoilers from this outtake section, please skip to 1 hour, 3 minutes, and 36 seconds immediately. This first clip is our reaction to the cold open and the prank that went horribly, horribly wrong. Oh my god. Oh my god. What a horrible prank gone wrong. Holy shit. Just like oh, not the gasoline! Oh my god, they've killed a man. That's sick as fuck. Like, sucks to be that guy. But holy shit. That's cool. He's the, the burning. Mm, that makes sense. This next clip is our first hint that Cropsy might be a little mad. Oh no. Oh no. Not the scissors. Dude... Oh, oh, God, not the, tw he's just jamming him around in there. I don't like that. Oh, see you later. Oh, my God, I did not like seeing him. Because, like, it's one thing to get stabbed with something, but them just, like, to wiggle it around in there like that, awful. What a horrific scene. This next clip is my reaction to finding out what Cropsy's signature weapon is. But I don't know how sound of mind he is. I don't I don't think very. Oh, dude, what is it with the scissors? I mean, those aren't scissors. Those are garden shears, but they're just big scissors. Yeah. I don't like it. That's, that's, so you know how, like, Jason has a machete? His is fucking garden shears? Yes. <laughs> I don't like that. Get ready. The whole movie? <laughs> he just prefers them. This next clip is our reaction to Cropsy killing about four campers in one single attack. Oh, he was in the fucking canoe! Holy shit! Oh, not Woodstock's fingers! No, Eddie! I don't, oh! Oh! Wow. I think all those kids are incompetent. <laughs> they really didn't run away at all. Where are they going to run? Just swim away, you know what I mean? This next clip is our reaction to Cropsy displaying some Jason levels of strength. Whoa, what? Oh, that was smart. Oh, that's horrific. Alfred saw the whole thing. Dude, Cropsy is strong as shit. By his neck. Like a whole dude. And Glazer's pretty big. Yep. This next clip is me repeating Ben's favorite phrase. There's a murderer about. He's seen people be murdered. Yeah. Is Todd just out here by himself? Yeah, someone had to look for Alfred. Oh my god, he's got a paddle as a defense. Yeah, but that is what you're supposed to do, is technically not leave a child behind to get murdered. Fuck them kids. <laughs> Bob, you can't say that. Yeah. This next clip is my reaction to seeing Cropsy's face for the very first time. Well, not trailers, like, oh, oh my god, holy shit, he looks cool. Like, I think that's the, he actually looks really cool. Like, that's not what I expected him to look like. The coolest part is that he kind of looks like he did from the start, and that's the coolest part. Hi, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? No. 
Come back next Friday. <laughs> wow. We're it's been done. so fucking long since we've done that. <laughs> it's great. Don't have to announce Friday the 13th stuff anymore. Or convention prep or anything. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, come back next Friday. We're almost done with the board. We got two spots left. Yeah. Just fucking wild. Space and meta slashers. And then we get to – we'll do a wrap-up, and then we'll start on that new board. That might be a little questionable. <laughs> That's your fault. I still haven't picked a category uh, yet. I'm so excited. I Look, I – we talked about it. I told you, go buck wild. Pick whatever you want. <laughs> it's up I'm, to you. I'm very excited. It'll be fun. But Will it be horror? Maybe not. <laughs> It'll scare someone. Maybe a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you know. God damn it. Bob's basically a two-year-old. That's so not true. Maybe he'll be scared. On that note, though, you know, usual stick. Check us out wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other places, wherever you're listening to it right now uh we're also on youtube which is not like the most convenient place to listen to us um but it's kind of nice because we can see your interactions with us there like your likes your subscriptions it's really easy to see views for like the channel or just individual videos there Uh, it's also nice because it's one of the two places you can communicate with us at you can do that in the comment section of a specific video if you want to do it there or you can go over to at beware the board and go flame up bob on twitter (laughs) God damn it. I don't normally mention this because I didn't know about it for a long time. You could also do a Q&A thing over on Spotify. Yeah, I've been thinking about putting that in to the episodes. It's been on some of the recent ones. Mm-hmm. So if you want to like, comment on a specific episode there, I guess you can do that there now. Yeah, I'm it's kind of sure cool. How that it's works. good for like feedback stuff. And it's something we don't really mention. But like, if you all want us to add like pieces to the show or like certain things that we do, let us know. Like, yeah. I'm always up to change up the show to fit like what you guys want us to do you know what i mean this whole show is very trial and error yeah listen the early episodes nothing like these later ones no we fix things all the time i I like to think these are much better because of it but uh, trust me they're a lot better i i've listened to some of those early episodes and i go what were we doing figuring it out yeah in real time we just kind of started doing this for fun and now we're here ben (laughs) i'm not lying to you i'm almost positive this might be our hundredth video Oh, really? It might be. Last time I took the playlist, we were at 99. If it is, can you add in one of the sound effects where it's like the balloons bursting? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) The kazoo? No. Woo! (laughs) Well, we've been doing this for a while now, you know? Yeah. But like Ben said, check us out on Twitter, at BewareTheBoard. It's where I post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter on Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal so you can see what the movie is before you watch it so you can watch it and get no spoilers. <sighs> Woo. Woo. Super useful for people that want to go into these episodes and not have anything spoiled from us, so we're being really vague about stuff you kind of know what we're talking about. Especially good when we have a spoiler section. Yeah. We didn't this week, so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we needed one. Not really. On Fridays, I also post a link to the episode whenever it goes live, so if you miss an upload or want to know what's something going up, there's always a link on our Twitter. There's also usually a meme there if it's something funny. Like last week had a meme. Last last week and Monday had a meme associated. Both very funny. Last thing, check us out on TikTok, at Beware the Board, and on YouTube Shorts. Basically, I go through and I scrub short-form content from old episodes, try and find new content from old episodes. Basically, if you're into short-form content and enjoy the show, check us out there. I try to put new stuff up. I haven't been lately because we've been recording so many side series, extra content otherwise. But now that we're done... I'll actually have time to make TikToks again and YouTube short stuff. Thank God. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> ben hates it. Okay, that's it. All right, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time. <laughs>